Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is Christine Stewart, who is a fellow qualified nutritionist who is working at Microbar. So I'm really excited to dive into what she has to say and her journey to get to where she is today. So thank you so much for joining me this week, Christine. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you. It's awesome to be on. Thanks so much. My pleasure. So let's get started by talking a little bit about how you got interested in the health and nutrition space to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a background in nursing and I have so much to thank for that role because nursing did give me a lot of, um, I guess, insight into the body or the different systems, um, a lot about health, how people were living with um, certain conditions out in the community, as well as I saw them in, in the hospital. And what I actually realized over my years of nursing and all the different um, roles that I was doing was that there was actually a really big rise in chronic disease. And so things like diabetes, uh, stroke, cardiovascular disease, stuff like that. Mm. So what I started to do, and I was actually seeing it in people getting younger and younger as well. So I started to look into some of the, um, I guess, the developmental origins of chronic disease and found that nutrition was actually really cornerstone and a really big player in the development of some of these conditions. So then I, that's kind of what started me in my nutrition journey. And I started studying at Deakin. So I did a master's of human nutrition and loved it. Um, I actually selected Deakin because I could do it part-time while I was still nursing. I had two little kids at the time, so I could just do it at my own pace, which was really nice. Um, and then I just discovered that I was meant to be in this field and I love nutrition and I have been motivated and passionate about it ever since really, because it's just, I think where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, incredible. That sounds like you would have had your plate full between nursing, having two bubbers and studying. <laughs> and it really was. Yeah, it really was a big full plate. Um, but it was really when I had my son, um, I remember feeding him and looking down at him thinking, I don't want you to have diabetes and lose legs, you know, have diabetes, um, foot ulcers and all, all the complications that come with some of those chronic diseases. Mm. Um, so that's really, yeah, it, even though it was busy, I still had that deep, passionate um, drive to to want to do that and start to make a bit of a difference in particularly in the preventative health space, so prevent some of those conditions from developing. So, yeah. Yeah, amazing. And how did you find going from the sort of conventional medicine and starting to learn more about nutrition and that holistic and prevention-based nutrition? Yeah, so I was mainstream trained, I guess you could say, in, in nursing. Yeah. Um, and I have, um, particularly at Microbe here, so we work with all different kinds of practitioners. So it's um, not just gastros and nurses and doctors and um, dietitians. We work, a lot of our um, practitioners are actually naturopaths, nutritionists, um, chiropractors, things like that, all yeah. sorts of modalities. And so I've really learned a lot about both, I guess, different types. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I sort of fall somewhere I'm a bit of a blend because I'm really open to new ideas and I love the idea of the whole finding the root cause. That's really, I guess, passionate 
um, for me as well. But I'm also, I understand what it's like in the mainstream um, healthcare system and how hard it is for them to sort of get on top of everything that they're doing, dealing with as well. So I, I really like having both of those perspectives. But yeah, the root cause is something that I really um, am sort of leaning towards as well. Yeah, such a good blend there. And it's so fitting that you like addressing the root cause and you work for a gut health company because so much of Absolutely. what is wrong does start in the gut. So, yeah, it would be so interesting to be there. It is. It really is. And the science is coming around so quickly and at such a rapid pace. It's actually really hard to stay on top of all the science. Um, but we have a lot of um, intelligent people here. We call it the Brains Trust because we've got microbiologists, scientists, all sorts of people working here who have such an in-depth knowledge and really help all of us to stay on top of the, the current science. Yeah, amazing. So tell us a little bit about after you graduated, did you go straight into this role at Microba or was there anything in between? No, so I actually scored my first nutrition job um, off the back of my student placement. Yeah. So I started off in, because um, I really wanted to do preventative health and I um, did, I had to actually find my own placement with Deakin. So they make you go out and find where you want to have that placement because I guess you're more likely to be interactive and involved and enjoy that placement when you've selected it yourself. Um, and so I started working there with the Queensland Association of School Tuck Shops. Uh, and Tuck Shops in Queensland are, is it just another name for a school canteen? So what this organisation does is help schools with, I guess, improving their um, school tuck shop menus. Um, they do all sorts of things beyond nutrition, though, like helping them with their finances. But yep. what I did there, what my student project was, was recipe of the year. So they run this program um, every year called recipe of the year and where tuck shop conveners will uh, submit their recipes. And mm -hmm. so my project was to run that. And I really loved that. Um, I got really into the food photography side. So we, we did sort of road testing these recipes in the kitchen there. We did a taste testing day and had judges come in. So this is all what I had to do for my student project. Um, and also did the nutrition panel for it and made sure that it fit that there's a criteria up here um, that school tuck shops are supposed to abide by. Yeah. Um, so it's some guidelines to make sure that they sort of fit with those. And yeah, it was really, really exciting and um, loved that project. And then a couple of weeks later, they sort of called me and said, we've got a position, like a project position we'd like you to, to do, are you interested? And I jumped at the opportunity because it was my first nutrition role. And so I um, did some research for them, um, surveying uh, tuck shop conveners all over Queensland and got to write up a big report for Queensland Health, things like that. So I got lots of experience in, in that role. And then from that um, stemmed two more projects. So they applied for grants and funding and was able to keep me for a little bit longer, um, which was really nice. So um, that was my first job. What a fun and then, first job. <laughs> it was, yeah, I really liked it. Um, and, and really fit, I guess, some of my morals and my values because it was trying to get healthier meals into schools so again, it sort of fitted into that preventative health space and yeah. sort of educating kids and getting the, um, the, that sort of food environment um, in front of kids, you know, having healthy meals in tuck shops. So it really fitted what I was set out to do. Yeah. Um, and then I started working one day a week at Microba as a microbiome coach. Cool. And that just, that role sort of blew my mind, the, the whole microbiome space. Like I had already been learning about it, but it wasn't something that it was really taught in depth at university. Mm -hmm. And I have just been so interested in it ever since. So I'm really lucky that I got that because it's really um, lit a fire inside me that I didn't know was there in terms of microbiome. 
um, and nutrition. So, um, so yeah, I started off as a microbiome coach and now I work as a clinical application specialist um, here at Microba. Amazing. And so for anyone who doesn't know what Microba is, can you give us a brief summary of what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So Microba is a DNA sequencing company. So with bacteria, they have DNA like us, they are cellular organisms. So we go inside, we look at the DNA, and then we're able to identify some of those species. Sometimes we're not because they're new and novel. Um, but we can go a bit deeper with the types of technology that we use, which is called shotgun metagenomics. And we can see the roles and functions of those bacteria. So um, they say that there's good guys and bad guys, but there's actually so many shades of gray in between those. Um, so we can actually see what the roles and the functions of those bacteria are and what they might be doing in someone's gut. So that's essentially sort of in a nutshell what we do here. There's a lot of moving parts that go on to create that, but that's kind of in a nutshell what it is. Yeah, so fascinating though. That would be incredible. It really is. It's um, so exciting as well. Yeah, really yeah, nice place to work in. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the first role you had there as the microbiome coach, and then we'll talk a little bit about your current role. Yeah, good idea. So um, the microbiome coach is a service um, that we offer to our customers. So we are a customer and a practitioner facing company. Yep. So we offer a 15 minute coach call um, with our customers who want to understand a little bit more about what their results are saying. So it's really sort of that top level view, but it does help to point out um, some of the key findings. It's a great opportunity for our customers to ask any questions. And then the coaches usually round off with some um, nutrition advice on how they might be able to shift their microbiome, microbiome more favorably. Yep. So it's usually around fiber, diversity of fibers, that kind of thing. Um, so, and then we also have a practitioner um, facing sort of role and that's where I'm working in at the moment. So I sort of support practitioners in understanding what their patients reports are saying. Um, and then also sort of making some food suggestions here and there if that suits um, that particular patient because we use a lot of food-based recommendations here which is obviously um, really fitting as a nutritionist because that's yeah. something we love to talk about is food so it works well. <laughs> oh that's amazing and so what would like a typical day or a typical week look like in your current role? Yeah so um, I have two kids at home so usually in the morning it's pretty busy um, getting them up ready for school. Um, I like to have breakfast before I leave home. I know not a lot of people do, but I am a breakfast person. I just think it helps to get my brain and my body going for the day. So I like to have breakfast. And then on the train is when um, so I catch the train into work. And that's when I usually listen to a podcast or an audiobook. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Um, and it helps me to get motivated and ready for the day. And I'm usually in a really good learning space. So I sort of take more in on that train ride in. And then when I get to work, the days kind of vary. So sometimes it can be um, a lot of client calls. So I'm talking to our practitioners, supporting them with whatever their questions and needs are. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes those questions and needs actually prompt um, areas that we might need to write a blog on or an article. Um, so I do love doing that. I love researching the microbiome and then helping to translate that to our practitioners and also our customers as well. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm doing a podcast like now. <laughs> um, and some days I've been lucky enough to um, present at workshops and things like that. So yeah, I've been pretty, pretty lucky, but most of my day consists of talking or communicating in some form or manner, whether it's writing or, or talking. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun and a lot of diverse things in there, but all really well linked and great thing to do. Yeah, it is. And if you like researching and you like learning about the microbiome, then it's really fun. Yeah. So yeah. I enjoy it. 
Yeah, brilliant. So in terms of when a practitioner uses the microba test, do they find you or do you guys reach out to practitioners? If there are any practitioners listening here, for example, how would they go about learning more about what you do um, and starting to utilize your service? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we do have a free course that we offer to practitioners. So anyone that's been accredited in Australia um, can do that course complimentary. And it sort of gives um, practitioners a bit of a background into the microbiome, um, some of the common species that we see, some of the technology that we use, some of the functions that those species might be performing. Yeah. Um, and then once they've gone through that test, um, sorry, that course, they actually get a unique code that then they can um, pass on to their patients so that when their patients do a test, that code essentially gives them consent for the practitioners to view their results. Yeah. And so once those reports are generated, um, the practitioners do get an email, but then we also reach out and say, look, if there's any questions that you might have, please, you know, uh, either book in a session or email through some questions. And we do support practitioners in whatever they need. Sometimes it's um, a really easy question that we can answer quite simply. Sometimes we just don't know everything. So sometimes that's when it might spark a, you know, a new re um, area to research, or sometimes the, the literature just doesn't explain everything just yet. Yeah. So it just depends. But um, yeah, we do reach out to practitioners as well, particularly some of our newer practitioners who maybe aren't as well versed in what the report's sort of saying. But um, my observation is that it doesn't take long for practitioners who are interested in, in this space to really understand the report and start to help it to inform their clinical practice. It's definitely not diagnostic in any means, but it can be helpful for informing um, what, what may, might be going on for that person. Um, it's a bit of like a piece of the puzzle for some some patients. So yeah, it's quite helpful. Yeah, it would be a really beneficial tool. And what would you say are some of your favorite places to keep up to date with the current research when it comes to gut health? Because as you mentioned, it's always evolving. There's always more coming out. How do you stay on top of it if it's even possible to stay on top of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another really good question. It is hard to stay on top of this subject. Thankfully, I'm really lucky. We've got a team of scientists that I guess sort of delve through all the, the literature and we um, get presented every week with, with what we call a journal club. Mm -hmm. And I love going to journal club because we have our senior scientist who presents a journal that has caught um, or an article that's caught her eye and mm -hmm. she sort of breaks it down, helps us to understand it. And then we can sort of use that um, to help inform um, what we say, some of our messages and to understand what's going on. So in particular, there's a lot of associations that um, are coming out with the gut microbiome. But the articles that catch our eyes more so is explaining what the underlying mechanism for those associations might be. So mm -hmm. I love going to those ones when there's a paper that's sort of um, got a theory or a concept that they're sort of trying to prove in terms of um, what might be going on at that sort of cellular level. Yeah. So um, that's how I stay up to date is because I have access to a, a lovely science team um, yeah. and we get regular monthly science updates as well. But I guess I think reading journal articles, looking for credible science. I mean, Microba do have blogs that we put out um, regularly. We have a, a blog page for both consumers and um, healthcare practitioners get regular updates from us as well. So um, if you haven't signed up, I think that can be a good opportunity for a practitioner because we do send out regular emails um, with the current you know, um, knowledge and any um, interesting articles that have caught our eye as well. So, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's perfect. That's great that you do send out those updates and help keep people yeah. in the know. That would be really helpful. Yeah, we want to share the love. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Brilliant. And so you mentioned another part of your role is writing and communicating in that way. Um, how do you go about formulating those blog posts and getting the research and putting that content together to continue to educate people through written word as well as spoken word? Yeah, that's good. So I usually get my ideas from what practitioners are asking. Yeah. So my latest piece was on actually serotonin um, production. So I had a lot of practitioners asking about the role of the gut in um, how because 90% of the serotonin we produce is actually, you know, made in the gut. Yeah. And they were wanting to know more about that. So that kind of stemmed off. So I was asking questions. What do you want to know about it? Um, so when I understand what the, the need is, I guess, that's sort of when I write down those questions, it helps me to sort of answer or sort of structure my blogs and my articles. Yep. So I use um, practitioner questions a lot um, and then obviously delve into the, the research. Um, and then before anything gets published, we have, I guess, like a sense checker or a science check that goes out just to make sure. Sometimes you can be a bit too close to some of the writing. So it's good to have fresh eyes that go over it. So we do support each other like that in the office here as well. Um, so we'll go and get, um, I guess, a sense check or a science check before we get published. Um, but yeah, our practitioners give us sort of the, the best teachers in terms of what questions um, might be coming up for them. Um, so yeah, that's generally how I do it. But I do love um, the writing side of things as well. It's something that I do really enjoy. Yeah. They're like mini uni assignments, actually. That's um, a bit nerdy of me to say, but they are actually are like little mini <laughs> uni assignments. <laughs> but fun ones, these ones. And yeah, they are. And they're, they're in, on topics that I want to do. And yeah. so they're all referenced and we, um, we, don't, we don't put out anything that hasn't been um, backed up by some sort of evidence or journal article, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Such a good resource. Definitely worth checking that one out. Um, and so you've mentioned a few times you guys have a great team there. Do, are there fellow nutritionists and dietitians working alongside you? What's that sort of Absolutely. look like? Yeah, we have a couple of nutritionists and a couple of dietitians as well. So it's really nice to be able to work in that team and support each other as well. And we learn from each other all the time. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I do like coming into the office is because you just hear little little bits around like someone has learned something else and, you know, you can just hear everyone's learnings and we all share the knowledge. No one's sort of keeping anything to themselves. We all want to grow and learn together. Yeah. Um, and we do have, um, like I said, a monthly science update from our lead dietitian. Mm -hmm. She's sort of our um, expert in the field and it's really her job to sort of stay across all of that in terms of the nutrition side of things as well. So we have our senior scientist, but also um, Paula, who's our lead dietitian. Um, mm -hmm. So she's really a great resource as well. So it's nice to be able to um, tap into her brain every now and then too um, in the office because she does have a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, oh, it sounds like a great environment and great people to be surrounded by. That would be nice and absolutely make all the difference. Yeah, it really does. I really like working here and it's um, nice and fun. And yeah, I mean, it's busy at times, but we, we do support each other. It's nice to have a team of nutrition professionals to work with. So it's great. Yeah, brilliant. And in terms of the verbal communication side of your role, how do you go about developing those communication skills and building relationships with the people that you work with, um, both in your staff, like your fellow staff members, or also the practitioners you're speaking to? Absolutely. So uh, most of my calls when I spend time with practitioners, actually getting to know them and their practice, because once I understand their needs and their specialities, I can actually support them more 
um, I guess, thoroughly. Um, but I do a lot of um, communication skills and I'm always working on these because I think it's something that's so important in this space. But things like mirroring and um, paraphrasing, um, summarizing, things like that can really help with um, that verbal communication. Um, we do a lot of Zoom calls as well. So body language, so reading someone's body language is also really um, key. Um, yeah, things like that. So I think it's not just um, your email communications, it's you know what, how you're saying things, but also um, understanding who, who you're talking with and what they might be needing. And um, yeah, having that, um, not so much empathy, but just understanding where they're coming from, I think really helps as well. Yeah, for sure. They all sound like really important skills, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And what are some other skills that you'd say are important in your role at Microba? So we mentioned writing before. So um, again, um, uh, the academic research side of things, so critiquing papers, because, you know, the nature of science is that when you can find one paper to say one thing, you can also find another one that can say the opposite. So really digging down into um, the methodology and um, how, you know, I guess, having that critiquing skills is really important, particularly if I'm going to be sending out journal articles that might be of interest to some of my practitioners, which I like to do to support them in their practice. I want to make sure that when I'm sending a journal article to them, um, that it's actually something that, that I've read, understood, and also critiqued. So making sure that the information that I'm sending is quite valid. Um, so we, we try to use a lot of human studies here because there's a lot of mouse models. Um, so we try and use a lot of human studies mm -hmm. to base our recommendations on. Uh, we do often turn to mouse models for the underlying mechanisms because some of the experiments that they do on these poor mice you can't actually do with humans things like that so um, sometimes that is what is needed but generally we try and use human um, studies when we're sending that out so it's important to have that um, knowledge mm -hmm. um, uh, presenting as well so we do presentations mostly this year on zoom but um, group presentations um, uh, webinars that sort of thing pop up I was even lucky enough to um, present a gut health workshop to the kangaroos and the jillaroos last year, which was really exciting. So I got to um, make their or develop their lunch menu so that it was sort of gut nourishing and have lots of foods in there that we know contain prebiotics that help their guts to thrive and flourish, which um, then will hopefully support their um, performance as well. So I was lucky enough to develop their lunch menu, go down, eat lunch with the, with the team and yep. then present a gut health workshop after that. That so that so was quite cool. a quite a nice um, activity to do. So um, having presentation skills, I think, is also important. And one that I'm still working on because I still get a bit nervous and, you know, it's um, it can be tricky at times. But, yeah, I think I'm still working on, on that. But it's a good place to learn, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Learn by experience, the best way to go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> How you grow, push through. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And do you have any tips to anyone else who is working on their presentation skills or wants to get more into that workshop and presenting space? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I am still learning myself, but I think not letting your not letting good um sorry not letting perfect be the enemy of good, yeah. um, because you 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 might want the perfect slides or, you know, the perfect um, way of delivering something, but it's not always going to be perfect. Sometimes it's just nice to be up there and be yourself as much as possible. 
um, because they relate to that. I think telling stories is also really um, powerful. A lot of people, if you can relate a story that um, relates to them or sharing something about yourself sometimes, I've found has really worked in um, workshops because people can, once they relate to you, they're more likely to listen to you in a workshop. So I think that can be a really big one is sort of earning their rapport either by finding some common ground with them or sharing something about yourself that you probably wouldn't normally, but um, obviously still professionally, but something that they can relate to it for you as a person. I think that can really help um, with presenting workshops. Yeah, brilliant. That's great advice. And what would you say would be your advice to anyone who wants to go down a similar pathway and work specializing in gut health or for a similar company to what you do? So I think starting off with our course, if you're interested, um, because it is a free course, so you don't have to, um, there are lots of courses out there that are quite expensive. So if you just want to dip your toe in and see if that is for you, that can be a good way to, to do it. And we do allow students to do the course as well. They obviously don't get their practitioner code at the end, um, but it can be really good for students to, to undertake that course. Because um, I don't know how much they're teaching in unis anymore. It's probably more than it was when I was there. But um, it, if you're interested, that's a really good um, little stepping stone. Yep. Um, and just calling out some of those biotech companies, because I definitely didn't think that there was even a role for nutritionists in, in a biotech company until I started working in one. So um, calling up, I'm speaking to nutritionists and dietitians that work there, asking them um, a little bit about, you know, how they can come and maybe do some internships. We do have some um, nutrition and dietetic students that come and do interns, um, internships every now and then here. So work on little projects. So things like that can help um, with understanding this space and whether that is for you or not, because it's really important that you find something that you like, I think, in um, whatever you do work-wise. Yeah, for sure. So, so important. You've got to enjoy what you do, definitely. And how did you originally find the job as the microbiome coach for that one day when you originally started? Um, so I ha actually have... Um, uh, seek that um, was emailing me with some different roles and I was actually doing this as a student so before I'd even graduated I had signed up to seek and had like these little emails that would come through with some jobs out there just because again I didn't really know what that landscape was like with nursing you know there were so many jobs there was never without a job really um, uh, but in nutrition it's there's not as uh, an abundant amount of jobs I guess you could say so mm -hmm. I was starting the research quite early um, so I just had never got rid of that um, that seek reminder when I was at that first job at the Queensland Association of School Tuck Shops. It still kept coming through. And then it, it just hit me. I was like, that sounds amazing. So I applied and thankfully got an interview. And I think what I said in my interview might have actually got me the job. I don't know. But um, because I'm a nurse, I've done, um, you know, obviously spoken to people about their bowel motions quite a lot. And speaking about bowel motions and poo is normal to me. And that's what we do in the microbiome coach role is speak to people about their bowel motions. So I wasn't afraid of doing that. And I sort of mentioned that in my interview. Um, so I think that helped a lot as well, that I wasn't afraid to talk about something that has previously been a bit taboo. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I think that might have been why I got the job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome though. And would you say that having that background in nursing has been really helpful as a nutritionist? Absolutely. It definitely, definitely has. So it taught me a lot about the bodily systems, but also, as I mentioned earlier, how people are living with chronic disease at home. So I did um, nursing in hospitals, but also in the community setting. And I think that's when it really hit me 
when people are living with home oxygen, um, you know, sometimes they couldn't leave their house or if they did, they had to have an oxygen tank to go with them to even just do the simplest of things. Um, people who've got really bad leg ulcers. Um, so it really taught me a lot about people. Um, I've learned a lot of communication skills through that role. I think a lot of the translating science into everyday language came from nursing as well, because I remember on a number of times, um, someone would come in and um, a doctor or someone else would maybe speak to them about their diagnosis or something that was going on, a different test um, or a different procedure that they're going for. And then they'd look to me and say, what, <laughs> what was that? And then I would explain to them what was about to happen. So I think um, that skill came from nursing and um, I'm really grateful for, for nursing for so many things. Yeah, brilliant. It certainly does sound like it would have been something really beneficial to have as your background. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got so much to thank for it. <laughs> yeah. And how do you go balancing working at Microbar and having a family? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have a very supportive husband. Um, so we are very much a team yep. and he supports me um, and he really wants me to do well in this space because I think he can see how much I'm really enjoying it. So yep. I, we do a lot of tag teaming. But we also do a lot of meal planning. That's probably one of the things that has saved me in terms of kids. Um, I don't do as much prepping as I probably should, but I sit down once a month and plan out the whole month's worth of meals for the next month. So every the beginning of every month, I do the whole month. And it's just dinners. It's not breakfast and lunches and snacks because that kind of just comes as the day goes on. But um, dinners really help. So, um, and then that helps to... Um, with our shopping list so we know what we're buying and it saved us so much time so much money so much stress so when I get home there's not the what are we going to have for dinner we already know um, or we can take out the the meat or get out the vegetables or whatever the day before that we know that we're going to need for that for the next night um, and reduce our waste things like that so I've actually got I think it's like 18 months or two years worth of meal like monthly meal plans that I've got at home <laughs> And my husband's really encouraging me to put it all together um, yeah. and maybe use it and help other, other families who would like that. So he's the graphic designer, thankfully, so I don't have him at my disposal, which is really nice. So he's probably going to help me put all that together to help other families manage because it is really hard if you're trying to... I work full, um, four days yeah. and he works five days, so yeah. it can be quite um, a juggle. So I think just having your meals planned, even just your dinners, can really help yeah you should for sure package those up and sell them I think they would you think so yeah cool. yeah <laughs> nice little side hustle <laughs> yeah that's what he, and he can make it look all pretty and stuff but because yeah. I've got all the recipes and I've got all um all the months worth so he just said oh this will help someone else you should put it out there so who knows it will come maybe that will be something I'll cook up <laughs> yeah I love it and that's so great that you work so well as a team both in the family side and him encouraging you in your career and the business side as well absolutely I could not have studied um, and completed that degree without his support so he he would help me with the kids so much and take them on weekends when I had assignments due and has just been a really great support so I'm yeah quite grateful for him oh that's beautiful yeah and what would you say your vision for your career is uh, um, I love this question because it actually got me to think about where, what I'm going to do. And I, I think because I love nutrition so much and the microbiome, I'm really excited to see where this space goes. 
And so I want to keep learning about this and still keep bringing the information to um, practitioners and the public in general, because it's quite science heavy and translating it, I think is, is where I really want to keep going. Um, because there's, as we mentioned before, there's science coming out all the time. Um, so I think that's where I, I still want to keep progressing with my writing, still keep progressing with my um, presentation skills, um, workshops, things like that, just to keep bringing the information out into the open. Um, because previously we didn't think much of the microbiome. We thought, you know, germs um, were bacteria, so there's pathogens. But we now know that there's so many um, bacteria in inside our gut and on our skin, in our mouth, all sorts of places that are actually really helpful. So keep bringing that out into the the forefront because. I know lots about it, but maybe not everyone does. So keep bringing that information out. Yeah, for sure. And it's so good to see there's so much growing interest about it as well. It's a great place it's to be. wonderful to see. Yeah, really exciting. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And what does success mean to you? Um, that is another really fabulous question. And I think that's something that everyone should ask themselves. So success, I guess, to me is finding whatever it is that lights you up and doing it, whatever that is. So for me, I think because I've now found nutrition, <laughs> um, yeah. it really does fill up my cup and I really, really enjoy it. Um, so I think, yeah, whatever it is for you, for that person, and I guess success as our, in our profession, so all working together, I guess the success for nutrition professionals would be, if we can, um, try and increase the percentage of people in Australia who eat fruit and vegetables. You know, this is the the public health nutritionist in me coming out wanting to um, to increase that and, and decrease the amount of discretionary foods. And it's going to take all of us, every nutrition professional out there to keep singing this tune, keep supporting people in that journey. I think that is successful for us as a profession if we can help with that. Yeah. No matter what modality you work in, just if we can keep working on that, that'll be great. I love that. And yeah, we are, we can all work together towards that one common goal and help so many more people on such a bigger scale. So it's really brilliant. I'm so passionate about that working together. Absolutely. Yeah. It needs, it's going to need all of us. And that's something that's really common in no, no matter what modality you work in, we are always talking about increasing vegetables, whole yeah. grains, sometimes and legumes too, um, and reducing discretionary foods, processed foods, and seeing how people feel when that happens. It makes a really big difference in terms of how they feel. And I think that's something we could all do no matter what, what line you work in. Definitely. Yeah. Love it. And what would you attribute your success to to date? Um, I guess I would contribute to passion because um, I am, I do feel like I am passionate in this space. Also, um, being kind to myself when I've been getting a no or because you send out lots of um, job um, applications, I guess, yeah. and just understanding that that's not necessarily a no full time. It's just something that hasn't happened at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and be open to opportunities because every position I've um, got in this space has, has been saying yes to an opportunity. And I know that probably comes up quite a lot in this space, but it's really true. <laughs> like saying yes to even little things can go a long way in terms of gaining some skills um, and experience. So I think just being open to things like that is really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what would your advice be to people if they are being presented with opportunities, but they're a bit um, nervous about it or anxious about it, or there's self-doubt getting in the way? Self-doubt is a massive one and I've, I still do it myself and I still have these sometimes perfectionist tendencies where I, you know, think 
Um, it can actually be quite crippling if you um, if you let it. But I think being kind to yourself, being your own best friend, saying, you know, it's okay, you can do this. And one thing I like to say to myself is, um, what's the worst that could happen? You know, what's what's the worst that could go wrong? Like, yeah. it's and, and usually it's sort of worse in your head than it actually is in reality. So I think just mm-hmm. taking a deep breath and being kind to yourself, it's so, so important. Self, self-love, self-kindness is really key. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's so important. And on a similar note, mindset is obviously so important when it comes to the success in career and in life. Um, What's one of your mindset tips or tricks to get your head in the right space so that you can go after your dreams and, yeah, achieve your goals? I think being open to the the development in this space, I think, because nutrition science is a fairly new science, I guess, and it's evolving all the time. Um, and I gave a good example before about, you know, previously um, bacteria was thought to be pathogens, but now it turns out that they're so much more and influencing our health so much more. So just being open, I mean, being guided by evidence is really, really important, obviously, but being open to some of the possibilities that are, um, might be coming ahead because the science is coming around really quickly. Um, no, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And in terms of before we were speaking a little bit about that research and about that science, um, how do you sort of build on your skills in terms of discerning which are the good articles, which are the bad ones, and knowing which research to be trusting? Absolutely. So we look for human studies, obviously, a lot of the time. So that's a big one in this space, because it's not always human studies. Um, The size of the study is really important. So how many people, what's the sample size? What's the methodology that they've been using? Are they using shotgun metagenomics, which is what we use, or are they using a different type of um, uh, test or technology? So you can, um, some will use the old school culture and culture is still really important. It's very sensitive. So if you're looking for a specific microbe, um, it's really, really good at identifying that. So it's good at identifying the knowns. Um, But with culture, it comes with its own sets of biases. So traditionally culture-based research is typically done in a lab. Sometimes it's done in the presence of oxygen. And a lot of bacterial species actually don't thrive very well in the presence of oxygen and need to have an anaerobic chamber. So looking at the methodology, um, if they do use DNA sequencing, is it shotgun metagenomics or is it looking at 16S rRNA, which is what I guess that we used to have and um, could work with, but when studies use 16S RNA, they can typically get down to the genus level. Mm-hmm. So there's different um, levels of bacterial classifying bacteria yep. and um, genus is sort of the next one above species. So you can get a good range of what that genus is, but not what the species level is. It can identify some species level, but not as much as what shotgun metagenomics is. So that's obviously a big, um factor for us here is looking at the type of dna sequencing that they have done um, that also helps and also looking at if it's looking at nutrition um, looking at the food frequency if they've used one has that been validated stuff like that um, and then all the things that you've learned in in uni is like who funded the study stuff like that um, so yeah there's some of the key things that we tend to look for Yeah, that's really brilliant advice and such good things to look out for because I know it can be so overwhelming with so much research out there. Um, And yeah, it's so important that we find research we can trust and know exactly what to look for. Absolutely. It's very important, um, particularly if we're using it to inform our practice that we've sort of understood what 
what's gone on there in the research yeah yeah a hundred percent awesome so now I have a book question for you if you could recommend one book for every listener to read what would it be and why I think for this audience I've got a really good book that I um, would recommend and that's called um, The Third Door by Alex Benayan so he's um, a, a guy who um, he actually, I think it starts off the, the book with he hacked um, the prices right to fund his mission. And it, it, the whole book is about um, basically not accepting no and there's always a third door. So he uses the nightclub as a bit of analogy. So there's the lineup to get in, which, which is where most of us would line up to get in. Then there's the VIP line and then there's always a, a third way. So there's the back door, through the kitchen, in through a window, like there's always another way in. Um, and I really like that. It really does, I think, help us in this space where maybe jobs and things can be a bit competitive to know that there's maybe there's a third way and don't give up. If you get a no, you can, you know, there might be another way or maybe not the right time, that kind of thing. So I think for this, this um, audience, I think that's a really nice one. And I actually listen to it in audiobooks. I, I quite like audiobooks, especially when the authors read it themselves because they actually give it the tone that they intended to when they wrote it. And yeah. I really like that. So it actually sinks in for me. So if you can listen to that book, I think that's a good listen. If you're going for walks or whatever, I think that's a nice one to, to listen. It's nice, easy, um, easy listening. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome book. Definitely going to have to yeah, check that one funny. out. Yeah, very relevant. And if you had to suggest a gut-related book, do you have a suggestion there? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I've just got um, Megan Rossi's book, but there's also one that I want to, I've just started reading. I'm only about five pages in actually, is um, Fiber Field. And that's um, by Dr. He's Dr. B, but he's a gastroenterologist in America. And which is really nice to hear a gastroenterologist talking about the gut microbiome. Um, And he's really passionate about um, fiber fueling people's diets and similar to what we say here, and it's quite um, aligned. So yeah, that, that's one I'm, I'm only five pages in, but that's one I um, would like to, I think might be um, helpful and resonating. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That sounds good. And what are some of the things you personally do to enhance your gut health? Oh, um, that's so um, good that you asked that actually, because as a nutritionist, when I started here, I thought I ate pretty well. And then I did my first test and it was okay. It was average. A lot of things were average, but I had funnily enough, a lot of the um, in like more pro-inflammatory markers that will lead towards metabolic um, health um, disease, which mm. was so interesting because that's kind of why I got into the nutrition space in the first place. Yeah. So since then, um, what I've started doing is having more whole grains in my diet, but not, not so much um, the... Um, amount of them but just the variety so I've been into things like frica buckwheat more quinoa um, different rices I'm obsessed with trying different rices now so I used to always just have brown rice because I thought as a nutritionist that would be the best it's got lower GI or the rest of it but now I'm trying like wild rices black rices there's this pink one that I want to try at the health food store cool. so <laughs> different rices is a really um a really good way to particularly because they're gluten-free so anyone can try those um, but also getting really experimental with legumes um, I used to have like the occasional legume but now I'm eating them a couple of times a week and loving them and yeah. finding out different ways I can flavor them 
and different types of um, lentils and um, legumes. So mung beans and um, pew, or I can never pronounce, I don't know, the little pew lentils, the, the darker ones, I know um, green ones. Yeah, do you? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, different types of beans, like bortolini beans and yeah, everything. Um, black beans is another one, red kidney beans, which I've, I've eaten since I was a kid, but including them more and more now in my dishes. Yeah. Um, Mexican, Indian, Moroccan, uh, Mediterranean style dishes, they're all now more legume based these days. So yeah, I can't wait to see my next one to see how how that's influenced my microbiome. So I'm excited to see that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So have you only had the one so far? Just the one so far. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And my vegetables was really good, but yeah, my grains and legumes I've noticed were, was low and that was from a nutrition professional myself. So yeah. um, there's something for everyone to learn in that because uh, we do do a food frequency in our report and it did highlight that I was doing really well with my fruit and veggies, but I needed to do more with my whole grains and legumes. So that's what I've yeah. been doing myself. Mm. Yeah, nice. And how often would you recommend testing? So for example, you've had that one, you've saw you've made changes. When would you go get that next one to see, to actually measure what's changed? Yeah. Another really good question. So it depends on what your motivation for testing is. Yeah. So we do have people who eat seasonably and have wanted to test the impact of the, the changes of eating seasonably. So that's just more been for curiosity's sake. Um, we do get people, and particularly where I'm working now with um, practitioners who will do an initial, make some interventions um, and then retest and see what the impact has been. And I guess what our recommendation would be is when those changes are no longer changes, I guess they're just the new norm for that person, it's yep. a really good time to test because you're probably going to get the best bang for your buck in terms of understanding what your microbiome looks more long term you can see changes quite quickly in the microbiome and it's designed to be that way so if you think back to our hunter and gatherer days and i like to say it's more gatherer hunter days because we did more gathering than we did hunting um but back to those days when you know a kill would come in we might have a bit more protein and animal products coming into our diet but then um, so we might get more protein degradation happening in our gut but then it would you know it could it's designed to sort of be reactive to our diet and our environment so you can see changes quite quickly in three days but unless those changes are sustained it can revert back quite quickly as well so um, for me I'm still not finished tweaking my diet yet so when I've done that is when I'll go and retest again yeah amazing I love that it does give you that tangible tool to really see those changes being made because as you said you were eating really healthy and you probably didn't have any symptoms to suggest that you did have those higher pro-inflammatory markers or anything. So having that right. to draw on and be like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. This is how I can improve. That's so valuable. Absolutely. And it just speaks to that prevention that, that I was talking about. You know, you yeah. can start to, even though it's not diagnostic, as we've mentioned, it's still um, some of these associations are becoming quite um, strong, particularly in the metabolic disease space. So, and again, that's how I sort of got into nutrition. So I'm quite excited to see where they turn up in my next report, because um, mm -hmm. that is something that obviously means a lot to me. And I didn't realize that my microbiome was more leaning towards a metabolic style um, uh, environment. So more pro-inflammatory. Yeah, mm. so fascinating. I could ask mm. you heaps of questions on a nutrient-related oh, yeah. tangent. <laughs> you should. Yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Is two podcasts too much? <laughs> we can do it. I'm absolutely open to it. I could talk about it all day long as well. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fascinating. But um, on that note, I am aware of the time and that we should probably wrap up now. Do you have any parting words of advice for the listeners? I don't have any parting words of advice other than eat fibre and diversity of fibre. But I wanted to thank you for bringing this to life because even when I was through going through my nutrition degree, I didn't really know as much of, of all these different roles. And you've actually highlighted so many different types of nutrition type roles and in various settings. And even though some of those settings I, I know are not for me, I still like listening to the practitioner's and um, the professionals working in those spaces. So thank you for bringing this to life. I'm really grateful for that. I think it's something that has been needed in this space. So cheers to you. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it's amazing people like you and all the other brilliant guests I've had on the podcast that make this what it is today. Like I'm so grateful for all of you to sharing your knowledge. So yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Um, awesome. And where can the listeners follow along with your journey and find out more about you? Sure. So um, you can follow Microba in general if you want to know more about gut um, uh, microbiome at, at Microba Official. And then I have a very small little Insta page. I was quite late to the party with Instagram um, at, at Christine underscore Stuart underscore nutrition. But I'm trying to work on, again, bringing some of that to life, um, some of that you know knowledge to life. So um yeah but I was a bit late to the party <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late to the party that's yeah, maybe yeah you're right you're right <laughs> yeah it's just got to put yourself out there and yeah deliver the content and the people who find you will benefit so much so yeah you're spot on yeah absolutely yeah yeah brilliant well thank you again for your time it's been such a pleasure and I personally have learned so much so I'm sure the listeners have as well um yeah it's been great thank you yeah it has been thanks so much Shana bye my pleasure I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Mm-hmm.